and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Chad Bokelman. And I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 470. Woohoo, nice round number. And what is the significance of episode 470, Chad? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is there significance? <laughs> it's 50 more than 420. Well, I, w- I wouldn't have handed, I wouldn't have tried to give you that nice segue if we hadn't just talked about it this afternoon. I mean, like, I mean, what, when do we. <laughs> When do we remember what we talk about with each no, other? You're no, right. when do we when point. do we smoothly transition to fucking anything anymore? We always sabotage our segues. It's almost it's almost a lantern cast staple as much as mispronouncing people's names. Well, okay, Listen, we pronounce we pronounce the names the right way. They're the ones that pronounce <laughs> it the wrong way. Yeah, Ivan Reese. Yeah, exactly. Well, well he's got like fifty five pronunciations. <laughs> And, and they're all perfectly accepted to a part of the population. <laughs> the, the, the answer to the fumbled handoff was episode 470 is technically in legacy numbering of the 300th episode Chad and I have done since we took over the show <laughs> from 170 to 470. But that's neither here nor there now because the segue was ruined. So thanks, Brad. <laughs> that's just, I'm, what, as, as, I mean, I don't mean to I mean. Technically, it's an anniversary episode. It would be crazy if we didn't have one type of question. So from one of the founders, what's it like now that not just that we take we, you handed off the show to Mark and I. You were going to say we like took that, the show, didn't you? That we've taken yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but then I realized I was like, that's really not the right whatever. Anyways, what's it like having handed it off to us, but now seeing us go longer than you guys ever did? Oh, I mean, <laughs> it's it's great. I mean, it's it's actually it's it's kind of amazing because I don't listen weekly, but I, like I will like catch up in like bunches of episodes from time to time, and I don't have the time or energy to record a podcast every week right now, mm-hmm. and so I do get to listen to podcasts, you know, on my commute and everything. Knowing that you guys are still recording, it's still a show that I enjoy listening to. You guys have maintained the quality. You've actually like improved the quality. The, you know, you guys branching out and covering more than just Green Lantern books, I think was really smart, which I was always like, so like locked in. Nope, it's the Lantern cast. It's got to be Lantern related. You know, like, honestly, that's dumb. Like, why wouldn't you talk about other things that you enjoy? We talked about other things that we enjoyed all the time. It's just that it was like, in addition to a Green Lantern topic. So, you know, like seeing what you guys have done with with the show, 
I I really honestly love it. And I love still getting to listen to it. I forget, you know, because like it started like so long ago. And like I forget about how long we did it for. And I mean, at this point, like I know that you guys have been doing it longer. It's just such a foreign concept that like you guys are still doing it. And you guys have had like much longer periods where the comics were, say, less than amazing. <laughs> um, whereas like with Dan and I, it's like, you know, we were we were riding high through some of the best Green Lantern stories that have ever been written. And you guys are like, well, time for this pile of shit. <laughs> you know, like, but you guys also put a positive spin on it. So, you know, it's. Well, Dan puts a really positive great. spin on it when we bring him back. <laughs> well, <laughs> Enjoy but Dan's, Dan's not always a ray of sunshine. He's just more <laughs> sunshiny than we are talking about the same stuff sometimes. Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's great. And, and also, I haven't completely stepped away. You know, like I still do like pre-birth. Like I'll still come on for, you know, occasional episodes like this. So it's nice to still be a part of it, even though I can't be like a full time part of it. It's great. And I, I, like I said, like, I just hope that, you know, like at some point, if you guys ever feel like getting burnt out or anything like that, like you guys will have people that you can rely on to kind of like help out with the show. Because I mean, like, I know like Dan and I like still help out occasionally, you know, when we started, like we never even expected to have anybody that was like, yeah, I'll step in, you know, whatever. Um, And then over time like obviously you guys stepped in to help out and we've had a number of people that have you know come on and been guest hosts or you know just a guest or whatever so yeah like i would just hope that between now and x point in the future you guys find people that are like hey you know i want to do a a mini segment you know where we go through previews and talk about blah 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 or, you know, like I'm making a Green Lantern video game on Facebook. Can I talk about this? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, for sure. Like, you I mean, guys. I mean, at the at the end of the day, you started the show. Prime, I mean, you said it on the first episode you wanted to listen to a Green Lantern podcast, but there was none. And now that's what you get. <laughs> you get to listen to a yes. Green Lantern podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ideally, if podcasts had not blown up to where they are now, yeah. then I would probably be starting other podcasts and finding other suckers to hand it off to that I can listen <laughs> to the podcast without actually doing the work. Suckers, yes. <laughs> That's that would be my entire my entire deal. I'd just be the guy that starts random podcasts. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I found this guy Joe Rogan to take over me. He really he really went far with the podcast. <laughs> podcast startups. That's what Jim wants to do. Oh God. Yeah. No, um, you know, like if, if, if the little podcast that I have started up through the years, like, I mean, obviously like the sliders cast, that is something that eventually I would like to go back to and finish up with Dan, but like long, long ago, I had the custom action figures podcast. Um, the, there was the, the short lived Lego podcast. I, I think, I think there was that. There was the greatest toy podcast, which still lives on in some some fashion. But like if I could like spin those off and like have all the suckers to take them and be like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a show about this. And then I'll just be like, great. Now I can listen to it 
I don't have to do any research and it's just right there for me. It'd be great. <laughs> I say suckers uh, a lot. We need to we, we need to uh, do some more uh, Elseworlds at some point, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. As soon as pre-birth is done. <laughs> In theory, that's not that far away if we really... <laughs> For us, it is at our current <laughs> glacial pace. But if we, but if we actually made a concerted effort to do maybe more than one episode a year, it really wouldn't take us long to finish it. We're we're in the home stretch of at least of the the actual monthly book. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean I, we we should be able to get to the Elseworlds as soon as James finishes college. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but oh. spe- speaking of doing podcasts on topics that don't get enough attention as it is, we're going to be talking about Batman tonight. Well, be I have a question for you guys before we jump into. Oh, and by the way, spoilers, spoilers, all spoilers. Yes. Anybody that's listening to this by now should know that you're getting all spoilers. But. You know, like we're gonna talk for like a couple of seconds, and at this point, get out of here if you don't want spoilers. But my question for you guys is, going into this movie, like on a scale from one to ten, what were you expecting the movie to rate? Like on a scale of like A plus to to you know D minus, or are we talking like ranked in terms of other Batman films? Well, he said the scale of ten, so like what we expect. So what we expected it to be, like we expected it to be a nine or an eight. You mean? Going right. in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's like, I you thought. think it was going to be a perfect 10, you know, an awful one somewhere in between. Good. Judge. Maybe, a, maybe a six or seven. Interesting. At the, I mean, at, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a Batman film and yeah. the market's so freaking saturated, not just film wise, but comic wise. I just like, I mean, I guess they're going to do another one. Let's just see. I mean, it's a DC Comics film. I'm going to go see it. Um, but it's just the market's so saturated. I was just like, ah, I really have no expectations of this. And plus, I honestly didn't see enough. Uh, I don't have enough experience with Pattinson to going into it really to put too high expectations on it. I would say I I probably expected the movie to be like about an eight and a half as as, a, as an overall movie. That's what I probably expected it to be. Not that's not my interest level in the movie. That's what I expected it based on quality and overall and how I would feel coming out of it. I probably figure it'd be like a eight and a half out of 10. I was, uh, I was probably closer to Chad, maybe, maybe even closer to a five. I hadn't, uh, hadn't really been following any of the trailers. Most of the information that I had gotten was like the casting information and going off of that. Like I had some interest, but not, not much like, like Chad said, the market is saturated with Batman movies. There's there's enough where it's like, do I really need to see another Batman movie? And I wasn't even the one that wanted to see this movie. This was my wife, Lauren. She's like, come on, let's go see Batman. And I'm like, but I want to see Marry Me. She's like, yeah, but there's no good food places around the theater that's showing Marry Me. So that's why we saw Batman. Otherwise, I would have seen it like, I don't know, weeks from now, maybe when it came to streaming or whatever so that is my level of anticipation you know or what i expected it to be before going in and now let us talk about the movie i i mean i I came out of it enjoying it way more than obviously i thought i would i'm having a, a you know my i was i went to go see it mostly because i needed to you know unwind from everything that went on um 
but I also needed to, you know, just see it so I didn't get spoiled because I was going to get spoiled in some way, shape, or form. Because I mean, that's just the way the internet is now. You can try and set up all the blocks you want, but at this point, like, it's so pervasive. Like, you just you essentially have to, you know, take a sabbatical from all social media if you uh, if you really want to avoid uh, spoilers these days, which in my line of work isn't necessarily an option. So I just, uh, I don't know. I really need to see it again. And again, you know, my brother-in-law wants to go see it. So I, I, I am going to go see it again. It may be, I don't want to say, I don't want to say my favorite Batman film, but it may be my definitive, my most, my most definitive Batman film. And by that, I mean, for the longest time, like, look, the guys it's, it's, the comic he was born in detective comics he's th- he is the world's greatest detective he was never labeled the world's best fighter he is one of the world's best fighters but he is not the world's best fighter he batman bruce whatever you want to call him he is referred to by Raish himself as the detective he doesn't even call him bruce or batman like the the more defining characteristic of him is his his mind his ability to deduce things stuff like that as more so than his ability to fight and we just really never got that from a film and in a lot of cases you know i, I you know I, this is without a doubt obviously this film has more of that than any other film does, did previously i still feel almost a little let down in the detective aspects of this because while there were some where there, there was some of that him putting things together and stuff a lot of it was just like he just happened to know the answer to the riddle within 3 seconds as opposed to like searching for things finding clues investigate like that sort of a thing which is what i would really want to see from a detective type flick but i did enjoy it a, a, a lot more than i thought i did and, and and the fighting was there i mean it has to be you can't have the the batman without it i do like he I do like that because he's a relatively new-ish Batman. I think they said in the movie like two years, three years, something like that, uh, at three years at max. I like that he's still like – it's rare that we see Batman take a punch. It's almost like he's always like the, the best fighter in the room and nobody lays a hand on him. I do like that he is more of a brawler in this. Uh, he's still very clearly talented. But he's uh, he's still sort of finding himself in all of that. So that was cool. Um, I think some of Mark's worries going into this about the Bruce Wayne aspect of it, uh, portrayal of it, were, were validated in this. And in some ways, uh, I was a little let down by that aspect that there wasn't much Bruce there, that he sort of sort of abandoned his the Wayne side of himself. But I'll let Mark go on that since that was something he, he was worried about going in. And as far as the Riddler goes. Uh, uh, the costume was a distraction to me. It really shouldn't have been, but it was. But I thought, you know, it's it's nice to see the Riddler being a legit threat as opposed to Joker light, the way he's been portrayed the past several years. Um, and I've always been really happy. Uh, as, I, I'm a Riddler fan. He's one of my, my favorite Batman rogues gallery. And I thought he's been getting the short end of the stick over the past uh, decade plus or so. So that's sort of my general thoughts on it. Do you guys summarize the movie at all with these episodes? Oh, the plot? Feel free. Yeah, go ahead. Because I didn't really actually do that in the, in the mini episode. I, I, because, again, I, I'm so 
I'm so worried about being labeled as giving spoilers when I'm not giving spoilers because you can see them even in the trailers. I try to avoid just just give overall thoughts in those mini episodes unless I say this spoiler. So go ahead. Give us the summary of of the plot. Okay, so this is not going to be like super detailed because hopefully you've already seen the movie. And if you haven't, I'm not going to give you every detail because even if you I I think this is the kind of movie where even if you have you know the spoilers it's still an enjoyable movie to to watch regardless you know like this is one of those things where yes the the mystery aspect of it and the things that can be considered spoilers are great reveals and things like that but but still like just him like going along the way and you know figuring everything out is just fun to watch so movie starts out with the the Riddler and you don't realize it's the Riddler at first but you know they set it up where the Riddler is like watching like some kid through a window and and my first impression was that oh this is this is another young Bruce and somebody's watching a young Bruce with his parents and you know this is must be like the night that the parents died not actually the case but in a similar way it's the it's the mayor of the uh Gotham City and he's the first victim of the Riddler. The Riddler uh, takes him out and, you know, thus starts the riddle process of this. You've got Batman, who in a couple of really cool shots is taking out criminals, you know, talking about how they don't know where he is. He's only one man, but since they don't know where he is, like he uses the fear to intimidate them to try and, I guess, prevent crimes, even though... He can't be everywhere. And there's some like, you know, really cool shots of him just like coming out of the shadows. And it, that was amazing. You know, uh, he's working with uh, Detective Jim Gordon, because at this point he's not a commissioner yet. And he's trying to help him with the rid- riddles. Uh, they're going along. You've got the other Catwoman. Um, help me out, guys. What the hell is her name? Zoe Kravitz. That's the one. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, who is working at this underground bar. The penguin works there and there's a girl missing and blah, blah, blah. There's a bunch of corruption and things like that. There's riddles, Batman solving them, commissioner solving them. It's all working up to like a grander plan. And eventually Bruce finds out who I, I'm, I'm going way too high from this. I way too high level. But I can't stop now, so I'm just going to continue on. They figure out the riddles, and they lock up the Riddler. And uh, he kind of implies that he wouldn't have been able to do it without Batman. And Batman's like, no, you're crazy. You're a sicko. You know, I I would never help you. And Riddler's like, well, you have, you know, whether you like it or not, because I set these up so that you would have to help me uh, unknowingly. And he realizes that Batman hasn't figured out like his end game. He just thinks that killing off uh, Falcone, the big mobster was his end game. No, it's much bigger. He actually wants to like take down Gotham city all because of the massive, massive corruption going throughout like every level of government, all the cops, they're all in the pocket of Falcone who's now gone, but there's still a ton of corruption and so now Batman has to deal with a flooding city. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Saves the day. 
Does he save the day, really? <laughs> I mean, no. Not really. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like at the end of the first Godzilla movie, or the 2014 Godzilla movie, the, San Francisco's still a pile of rubble when Godzilla walks out of that slowly and everybody starts cheering. You're like, you're sitting in the pile of death. But, what are you cheering for? But, but, but arguably, Godzilla's act. Well, see, see, Godzilla's role is really not to prevent that city from being destroyed because he doesn't care. That's but true. you can still make a case. He did. He did more. He did his best there. I think, in a way, starting with looking at the end of this, that that's one of the weird things about this movie. It's like I think that was a. I know they're giving you this this talk about oh, he's got to. I got to be a symbol of hope and not just fear. But that's a pretty depressing ending. And it's a pretty and it's a and it's a serious failure of it's an interesting choice to put Batman in a situation where by the time he by the time he finds out what's going on in this movie, how the Riddler's planning on blowing all the seawalls and pretty much in flooding Gotham, there's like literally nothing he can do about it. So it's a unique situation to put Batman in, but I don't know if that shows if that's exactly the best way to go with Batman because it just kind of shows his shortcomings. I mean, it's it's weird. It's kind of, and just it's just depressing to do that in a way. I know it opens the door for, for depending on where you want to go with, with you know, with the storyline here. But the reality, it's it's certainly that's I think that seemed a bit to me that seemed questionable, just like everybody running into their version of Madison Square Garden, which seemed kind of like a shaky thing to do uh, in a flood, because it's like, well, that's not the tallest building in town. So what makes you think you just that's not going to get flooded, which essentially ends up getting flooded, too. It's I don't know. It, I mentioned this in the mini review. It's the movie seems like it's gonna wrap. This is a movie like the like the Dark Knight, not as bad as Lord of, as uh, Return of the King, when you have seventy five almost endings that don't end. But the Dark Knight was another movie that could have ended in different spots, but then there was like another twenty minutes, and then another twenty. This movie was like that. You thought it could or was going to wrap up somewhere around the Riddler story, the conclusion of the Riddler being apprehended. And then you go off on that whole sub, you know, the whole master plan of him having all his uh, sycophants and followers that are helping him blow up, you know, going to you know, just take over the city or just and blow up all the seawalls. And it's like that just seemed like that seemed odd to me. It kind of seemed like almost on in a movie that hadn't. And we'll talk about this more in another segment, as Chad alluded to, in a movie that literally has no Bruce Wayne in it at all by choice. That it's like you couldn't have spent that 20 minutes somewhere in the movie with the developing Bruce Wayne is more than a sp- like a brat as opposed to flooding the city for I don't know. But I'm not going to say it took me out of the movie, but it, I found that to be I thought that was a little that was a weird it was it was an odd choice. Something you you talked about, about the, the detective stuff. I understand why people are going gaga because the fact that, yes, we've seen very little of the detective work in all of the Batman movies combined. And yes, this movie does have more of it than the others did. But as you meant, but there's also stuff that, you know, a lot of the ciphers, that's Alfred doing that. And there's stuff yeah. that Gordon helped with. And there's some stuff that's just dumb luck. So it's not like it's not, I mean, again, and he's and he's and he's misled pretty easily about, oh, you know, uh, which which crime boss was the one that really killed your father. And uh and that's another thing I didn't like. I know there's t- there's been elements in some about some of these things about his you know Thomas Wayne saving Falcone and things like that. That's fine, but going down the road of kind of like taking a big steamer on on both on both sides of Bruce Wayne's parent, uh, both of his parents to a certain extent, I, I'm not a fan of that. I I that doesn't that didn't make me happy. He was kind of, he was a 
I think they purposely avoided Bruce Wayne giving us Bruce Wayne, probably because they they knew that was going to be a harder sell for people. And they figured, hey, if, let's wait to the sequel to do that. If people like him as Batman. And then we move it and we go from year two to maybe year four, year five, when he's more established and maybe he's more of who he is. Then maybe Bruce Wayne would be a little more nuanced and pe- or, or just people will be more willing to accept. Yeah. But, but Bruce, but I just thought the Bruce Wayne, the, the Bruce Wayne didn't work. The Alfred relationship I thought was crappy. I, you understand why, because of the plot points in this movie, why he and Bruce Wayne is kind of having that, not necessarily adversarial, but he had he has more issues with Alfred than we usually see. But I, it's again, it's not it's not what you're used to, and plus it also means that Andy Circus gets criminally underused. Yeah, I just. So for me, I just felt like speaking more to the detective stuff, like I really, you know, it's yes, we got more of it. And I'm excited to see that we finally got more of it. I can see why people are excited about it. It just feels to me, you know, like you said, uh, just a lot of dumb luck. Like detective stuff isn't just like following potential suspects around and watching them. And then happening to know the solution to every riddle. Like, you know, like if you think of some of the the best detective films, one of my favorite movies of all time, The Maltese Falcon. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you can reference with those and, and you know, kind of just brute force research and coming up with clever plans, you know, stuff like that. Like, there was really, the only time he ever really started doing something other than like you said, just dumb luck or whatever is that almost at the very end when he starts looking into the renewal fund and he pulls out the files and just slaps that stack down. But we never really see the the results of him <laughs> going, you know, whatever he did going through that to find information. Like it just really didn't feel, it really didn't feel earned. But at the same time I was talking earlier about like how he takes punches and he's not perfect yet in his, in his fighting style. And, you know, at the same time, I, I have to realize that if I can excuse him not being a perfect fighter, I have to put the same leeway towards him not being a perfect detective. Yeah, um, that's that, I, I agree with that. That's kind of my point of view also, in that there's a lot of things that I guess you could fault him for, like the complete lack of a Bruce Wayne or the detective skills maybe not being so great. But the fact that they prefaced it by, you know, he's only two years into being Batman. To me, that is is a very good excuse. I mean, it's a, it's not even an excuse. It's a reason why he he doesn't have that level. He's not Ben Affleck level. He can do some detective work. He knows a lot of stuff so that when he does read a riddle, he might get it right away just because it's a simple literary riddle. But the the literary riddles, like the the first aspect of it was not ever the really tricky part. That was just like, oh, this is just a fun little riddle. Now you have to do this complex puzzle. And because he is busy as Batman, he's got Alfred working on it back at the Batcave or, you know, Wayne Manor, whatever. So to me, like that, that kind of checks out. Like if he had more time to, to work on that stuff, yeah, he'd work on it. But, and I'm sure that Alfred has taught him how to do that stuff too. 
And that's why, you know, he knows how to take the photos with, you know, all that stuff and uh, the codex and things of that nature so that he can decipher it later. The lack of Bruce Wayne, that to me, I, I wasn't a fan of that going into this movie, but after seeing the movie, it makes complete sense because he's just started. He's completely focused on being Batman and he's completely cut off the idea of Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is a, what's the term? Facade. Not even a facade, just like a, like a, like a useless limb to him. You know, it's like a vestigial part of his body that he doesn't care about anymore. And, and Alfred even addresses it, you know, in that, oh, you have to look at your finances, otherwise you're going to lose everything and then your family's legacy will be gone completely. And he doesn't care about that. Like, all he cares about is being Batman because he just started, it's two years in, and this is his mission. He, he's got to clean up Gotham City. He doesn't realize at this point that the only way that he's going to do that is by being Batman and also Bruce Wayne. And the the actions that he has to go through in this movie and the Riddler, it's kind of like the perfect setup for him realizing, oh, shoot, yeah, that's right. I have to take care of this stuff, too. I have to be looking at things like the renewal fund and my family's actual legacy so that things like this don't happen again. So that makes perfect sense. Would I like a Playboy Batman? Yeah, of course. I mean, like the, the, the Bruce Wayne, you know, that we get from the animated series, whatever, like stuff like that. It's great. But I, I don't think that I've ever really seen a Batman like this, where it's, it's in this time period where he's still kind of figuring things out. You know, like we've gotten, I feel like we've gotten Batman, it's not even like year one with uh, Batman Begins, because he's like, he's Batman. Like you see him training and then he's Batman. So that that aspect of Batman, like this early in his career, is it's kind of a new frontier for me. And so like, because they gave us something new and different, and it's not really what we expect from a later on Batman but in the universe that they're building, like I totally bought it. And because it was so explained so well, I didn't have an issue with those things. I didn't have an issue with there not being a Bruce Wayne yet. I didn't have an issue with maybe him not fill, you know, figuring out all the riddles himself. I definitely didn't have an issue with the Riddler being one step ahead of him. Like that makes sense. Like this dude has dedicated how long was he working on the, the the whole plan for what he was doing? Did they ever explain that? Did they ever say how long he was working on it? I'm not sure unless there was been the part where he talks about finding the records and everything and how he stumbled upon everything related to the fund. Uh, but I don't know if they give I don't remember if they give us a specific length of how long, you know, basically this plan has been gestating. I feel yeah. I feel like we got to I'd have to I'll have to remember to pay attention to it when I go see it again. I feel like we got a sense of it when we when Bruce found that video uh, that he's speaking to the community about. He's like thanking them for their help. I feel like he said it somewhere in there, but it's I mean at the regardless, he's clearly been working on this a while. Yeah, like he's he's clearly been working on taking down this fund because he he was from the orphanage, so he knows that that's a completely broken system 
and the the whole restoration you know program was supposed to fix that so he knows from firsthand experience that it's broken and then he gets the accounting records and then he starts looking into things and then he realizes okay well now i'm finally in a place where i can maybe change some things i think the way that he talks about batman it feels like he started planning this with the traps and everything after batman came on the scene i think that the appearance of batman kind of inspired him okay i'm gonna put on a mask and i'm gonna go around taking justice into my own hands and do it like that but since i can't do it on my own i'm going to work out these riddles so that i can get batman oh yeah he has to have everything that he did he planned it so that batman would help him so he had to have come up with everything after batman was created and that i really like because i love the concept that as batman is created to try to wipe out crime in the city he inadvertently inspires the crazier villains that he has to fight later on yeah i mean that's true this this movie though does the, i mean I, i've said it before with batman i'll say it again it's like this movie does that thing that by making making thomas do this big mistake that that with with the renewal fund and um with regards to the reporter and everything like it makes and maybe i'm the only one who feels as strongly about this point as i do i don't like the idea of it's okay to make thomas flawed what what sucks is when they 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 make thomas you know they, they make thomas a target they make him the the evil guy because it makes the the murder of the waynes this bigger grand thing uh and as a sense of destiny to bruce eventually becoming batman because for me the murder of the waynes in the alley should always be a random act of violence in an alley it the, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be you know that murderer goes on to become the joker or like it was a hit organized by so and so or it's it has to be random if you want to name him joe chill or whatever that's fine and if he has gang associations or whatever that even that's fine but like it it should always be a random senseless act of violence because to me that's the only way batman makes sense is his crusade he believes it'll never be done. You can, te- I mean, theoretically speaking, uh, at least in the comic book universe, you could realistically take out all the villains and you could realistically take out the the big time mobs and stuff. But Batman's true quest or, or, or crusade or whatever you want to call it is not just against organized crime and just against supervillains. It has to stay the random senseless act of violence for 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 what we end up getting as Batman to make sense to me. And I think there was a bit of that that went into my watching of this because while it was cool to see all this unfold and get the revelations and stuff, you still ended up with, and I guess, it, I guess they, I guess they sort of acknowledge it in the film because at the end, you know, his own internal monologue sort of addresses that he needs to change his perspective and his outlook on things and what he, what his approach to this all needs to be. So that's at least they acknowledge it in that sense. But 
I never, I, I didn't like what they ended up doing at, uh, with that because, like I said, it rem- it adds that sense of destiny, which I never think Batman should have. They did a good job of justifying it because the restoration fund is the Wayne legacy, and that was supposed to clean up Gotham City, and because it didn't, now you have Bruce Wayne, who, as Batman, is trying to do what his father was trying to do. He was trying to clean up Gotham. He was trying to save everyone and he was trying to wipe out crime. Now his father was doing it a different way. And, you know, as Batman, he has different tools and it's like, okay, well that didn't work. So now I'm going to take matters into my own hands and, and do this, which later on he realizes, okay, well the reason why it didn't work, blah, blah, blah. But the idea behind oh no you know now it's a mob tie that that did it and um making thomas wayne look like the villain they do a really good job of kind of like redeeming him in that he never wanted the reporter killed but as soon as the reporter was killed he's like okay i'm gonna have to go turn myself in because i can't live with the guilt so like he has a very strong like moral compass there and the fact that you know batman doesn't know if it was falcone or if it was some random thug you know or he has no idea who it was before he finds out that falcone you know at least ordered it if he didn't do it himself he has no idea so in the beginning of his crusade it's just okay it's some random guy now I have to clean up the streets and continue my father's legacy. And then it turns out, oh, yeah, it was Falcone and it was organized crime. So I need to still clean up the streets and I need to make sure that organized crime doesn't isn't capable of doing this again. As far as I'm concerned, they they address enough of that so that in this universe, the fact that, yes, there are ties to the, the Wayne's murders. It, it, it still makes sense in the overall mythos. I don't have a huge issue if I don't think it has to be a random act of violence. I think I, I'm it's more of an it's more of an issue when you walk that line. And I know they walked it back in this movie. I'm just talking in general. It's more dangerous when you walk that line about making Thomas Wayne again, not necessarily moving beyond flawed. And trying to make him out almost to be a bad guy, where then, because then you're walking that fine line to make it sound like, oh, maybe he had it coming, that kind of thing. And maybe so it's, which is a completely different take on Thomas Wayne and the whole, and the Waynes in general that we get. So even though they, you know, and, and it was, it was kind of an odd choice. So, though appropriate, I guess, considering Arkham Asylum playing up that, you know, that Martha there had had issues, uh, psychological issues, and that's why, and that ultimately why Thomas Wayne was trying to get the reporter not to report or go go public with the story that he had, not because he would Thomas Wayne really cared about how it would affect his run for mayor, but because he was trying to protect his wife. But I, I don't know, I, I I I thought that part was a little less less effective in general. I I didn't have an issue with the way the going back to the Riddler for a moment. I had no, I certainly don't have an issue with him outsmarting Batman for throughout a lot of the movie. I also don't have an issue with the way he looked. 
I had more of an issue with the way he acted. So for a movie that's trying to be very well grounded in a lot of levels that they did kind of like, kind of like dial it up to 11 or 12, how maniacal he was and how unbalanced he was at times, which I'm not saying it doesn't fit. I mean, based on what this character is supposed to be, I don't know how well it fits into the universe that, that they're kind of trying, they're, they're trying to establish. And, and I did think it was, and again, playing up the fact that bat, you know, the Batman is learning and Batman doesn't know everything. The way, essentially, the way we're teased at the end, that which we assume, which turns out not to be the case, that the Riddler knows who Bruce Wayne or who Batman really is, and he and he doesn't. But the, the whole conversation in at Arkham between the Riddler and Batman, when they, they're dro- just the, all, everything that's being how it's being framed. It's all being framed. So you're just waiting for the moment when he just makes the statement that, oh, you know, Batman is Bruce Wayne, but but it doesn't come. I thought that was really good acting, actually, on Pattinson, too, because you see the look of recognition in his eyes when he becomes when the Riddler makes it perfectly clear that he thinks Batman. He has no idea that Batman and Bruce Wayne are one and the same. I thought I did think I actually did think that was that that was quite effective. I liked Dano as the Riddler. Overall, I thought, you know, in his, in his kind of uh, Zodiac look, I, I did like that. It, I just thought maybe he dialed it. He was, he was dialing up at moments where I was kind of like getting close to the, you know, Tommy Lee Jones Two-Face, maybe, a tad. Yeah, I think the unhinged thing did not settle particularly well with me. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's almost weird of us to assume uh, in any any way, shape, or form, that somebody who's unhinged enough to, you know, go go forward with such a plan and, and enact such a plan wouldn't also be unrestrained in other ways too. Uh, we, I think we all expect this, you know, almost calm, rational, you know, every man sort of thing out of villain sometimes. That just so, but you know, you you could see it as almost anybody with just a little twist uh, here. But it, I don't know. I, I, it hit me. It, hit, it was interesting for the Riddler because it hit me. I don't know what I expect to see in a Riddler, to be honest. Now, obviously, I'm not expecting Jim, uh, Jim Carrey levels of stuff, but like, I don't know what I want. It's more like a, I know it. I'll, I know, I'll know it when I see it. And I saw aspects of it in this Riddler. And there were other times that it set me off. I'll tell you, acting wise, who really surprised me. Was John uh, John Turturro? Is that how you say his last name? Turturro. Turturro. I've never really seen him in anything other than a sort of comedic sense. And by that, I primarily am referring to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And then his weird role in the Transformers movies. So seeing how well he did as Falcone, I was shocked. maybe, Maybe you guys have seen him in other stuff, but I was just... I was really blown away. I was like, that's that guy. Like I, I immediately recognized him in his face, but how good he was at playing that dr- more dramatic role, uh, that more sinister role, that more threatening role. I, I, I was like, I recognize this face. I don't recognize what's coming out of his mouth or the vibe I'm getting off of him because like, yeah, we can talk about Pattinson and, and Alfred and, you know, Catwoman and Penguin and all the other stuff till the, till the cows come home. But like, if I'm being honest, what really shocked me was the actor who played Falcone. It was kind of an understated performance for a large part of the movie. And I think that works. I think because again, you're trying, 
you're not sure what to make out of him. Obviously, you know, based on the character that he's portraying in Batman lore, that he's not a good guy. But, you know, they're trying to tie it in, you know, they the way they tie it in nicely, which, of course, plays into the plot about how Thomas Wayne saved his life and everything and everything that you, you're just not quite sure what the what the relationship is, which also is interesting because we talk about, you know, you want to go see this movie before wanted to see it before spoilers all became prevalent all over the place. And Jim, I think, touched on it with this. There is when you think about it, I don't know how much of this movie of relevance is going would be spoiled because I mean, there are some twists in this movie, but it's not, it's not anything massive. I mean, the big, I mean, I guess the biggest twist would be, and it turns out not to really be the case. If Thomas Wayne was really a bad guy and really, even if he didn't necessarily really intend for that reporter to get killed, but he, but just the mere fact that he put, you know, Falcone on, on his trail that, other than that, I don't know how much I don't know how much really would have been spoiled in this movie because there, I mean, Falcone being Catwoman's dad, I mean, which was kind of, again, you know, six degrees of separation crap, maybe to a certain extent. But I don't think there were that many major pl- major plot twists in this movie that and certainly not compared to probably something like many other comic book movies that we've seen and we're used to, I would say. I think the the fact that Falcone was the one that you know was responsible for the wayne's murder that was kind of a, a you know that that's i guess a, a minor spoil spoilerable moment there there was one other thing yeah i, I mean I, for the most part yeah like, oh oh the 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 joker oh the yeah the, the scene at arkham yeah yeah that that scene at arkham like that's that's a little bit of uh when you see it it's like oh you know exactly who it is but that's like, oh, wow. OK, so they're clearly setting this up for, you know, for the future. That's definitely the Joker talking to the Riddler. That was great. If you didn't know that and you see it, you know, for the first time, it's a cool scene. It's a cool reveal. But if you knew it going in, I mean, does it really take away from the movie? Not really. Yeah, it's an, on that level, it's an it's an odd it's an odd comic book movie on that level because the fact mm-hmm. that. There really are. I mean, it's it, 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 I thought I think I actually was aware of this as as I was watching the movie. Not that I really sought out a lot of spoilers for this movie, because, again, my interest level wasn't super high in this. But it's like when the, when the movie's playing out, it's like, yeah, there's really not that much that if I had known if I had known like this plot point going in, I wouldn't have considered that to be. Oh, like it's a it's it's a it's a huge surprise or the the audience is going to react. And it's like, oh, my God, it's going to get the It's going to be one of those moments. This this. On this level, that or that level, this movie was pretty subtle about that. So, and maybe it was by design, so that so so in a way, the movie was almost like impossible to spoil, even if somebody wanted to. I don't. I, I wanted to say this just because I I have no idea where else I would specifically say it. I got the only the only part of the movie that got me super excited was Bruce Wayne pulling up to the funeral in a 1963 Corvette, which is my favorite car of all time. I noticed that too, and I also loved it. <laughs> well I, I mean i i literally like it would change my perspective somehow i literally leaned over to the left to try and look behind bruce's shoulder to see if there was a split in the window in the back i was like that's definitely a vet <laughs> is that a 60 is that the 63 body and then he got out and i was like yes uh i like i like the batmobile i liked it more than i thought i would i've been toying with the idea of getting the lego set 
not mm-hmm. like the Lego Technic set, but like just like the thirty dollar little set, uh, just to have it. Uh, um, but I, you know, I was always passing because I was like, it's, it's just the car. And in a lot of ways, especially if you're talking Lego, it looks like the Ghost Rider car in some ways. It's almost the same set in some ways. But once the car started up and we got all the kind of close-ups of the engine work in the back and all that stuff, yeah, I I was I was definitely down with it. That wide body kind of short stance that it has. Yeah, I really I really like that. And I really like to sort of obviously he's a newer Batman, so the car also has to be not as advanced and not as uh, not as interesting or whatever. Uh, and it has to be sort of bare bones in some way. But I do like the sort of ruggedness of it because you don't really see like when you see the Batmobile like do stunts or whatever, it's always so kind of smooth in its own way or really tech heavy. You don't really think about it much, but you don't see like the axles kind of rocking. You don't see like the shocks bouncing up and down. You don't see a lot of body damage happen to the Batmobile. You know what I mean? Uh, in any other movie. So I do like, I do like how the, how they sort of played with the newness of Batman in, in more ways than just Batman himself. Yeah, I agree. I was okay with the car. I wasn't in love with it, but yes, when you look at it from the perspective that this is a work in progress, just like you can kind of excuse his out, his armor, his outfit, which still didn't, I didn't, I still didn't think that was fantastic. Uh, it was obviously serviceable for what he needed, but it's still a long way from what you would expect. I think in your mind's eye, Batman to look like, regardless of which way, which route you went, whether you were going down the heavy body armor route of the, you know, the, the Michael Keaton of the Burton Schumacher movies or more like, or, to a certain extent, also the Christian Bale movies, but or go more streamlined like the Ben Affleck, the Ben Affleck uh, version. Either way, you know, this is not the final, you know, the final step in the evolution as much as you ever get. It's like Iron Man. He's never going to stop tinkering with this stuff. And neither is neither is Batman. But the suit, I didn't love the suit. It was it was OK. It, it worked. You know, it worked all right. The the boots were cool. How like a gunslinger, you could hear, you know, you could hear him coming before you could see him, which served, which in this instance, at this moment in time, serves the purpose, as a, especially dealing with, you know, the lower level criminals and thugs to, to instill the fear in them. Obviously, if the more stealthy you want to get, that's not a plus, but just in general. And the action, the action, the action was good. Uh, a lot of stuff was in darkness, so you couldn't see everything. Yeah. That's a that's a complaint maybe I have it, it, much in the same way, oddly enough, bringing it up yet again for the second time this episode, the Godzilla 2014 film. Like I love the action. Uh, it's a Godzilla film. I love it, but it's always been so dark. Like if I want to watch that movie at home, I have to either close the blinds and uh, all, all over the place or make sure I watch it at night be- so I can just watch it in a dark room because otherwise you don't really see a lot that's happening on the screen. And I have that feeling that when I, you know, get the Blu-ray for this movie and try and watch it at home, I'm going to have to do the same thing because I'm not going to see as much detail if I'm not in a pitch black room. And speaking, speaking to, to the, the, the suit for a second. Yeah. I was really impressed by the blow, like the, the real accuracy of the wingsuit that he uses, because in most other kind of, uh, situations they would try to like they did in the in the Christian Bale Batman thing where they like send an electric charge through this fabric and it becomes solid or whatever you would think that he would just lift his arms and like you know there would be you know just just you know fabric suddenly there between his arms and his legs 
but they did it like, the way an actual wingsuit is with the blow up sections and stuff like that. So I like that it just sort of appeared on him. <laughs> he kind of almost went stiff, uh, which was interesting and, and cool. And then I, I, I don't, I wasn't expecting things to be revealed as late in the film as it happened. So it was actually a surprise to me when he cut open that thing and it turned out to be the, the bat thing on his chest and it just detaches and it's a knife or a blade or whatever. I wasn't expecting to learn more things about the suit that late in the film. So I was like, well, that's freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. The battering thing being attached to his chest was a nice, that was a nice touch. Yeah, definitely. The only thing uh, that I'll add is that there were a lot of like shots that I noticed in this movie that were like noticeably beautiful, just like, you know, things that were just visually stunning. Like when the, the penguins car flips over and you see Batman walking like upside down with the fire in the background. Like that shot was just like, oh yeah, that's freaking awesome. Or when he's like, he attaches the his uh grappling hook thing and then he starts running down the side of a building. Yeah, that was him. Cool. Yeah, him like coming out of the shadows. Just how like they set up that first scene where it's like three different locations. And there's shadows everywhere, and you don't know which one he's going to pop out of. Like, stuff like that, I I really, really liked. And I noticed it in this movie more so than I have in previous movies, and not in a way where it took me out of it. It was just, it was so good that it, like, I was able to appreciate it in the moment that I'm watching it also. So that's the only other thing that I really wanted to add. And if I have to rate it now, I was five out of 10 going into it. After seeing it, I would say 10 out of 10, surprisingly. Yeah, I don't I don't know about 10 out of 10, but I was expecting maybe six or seven. I would definitely say eight, eight and a half. Maybe no, I'd, I'd say 10. <laughs> it's definitely a 10. I would probably I would agree with Chad on this one. I think I probably it it probably was exactly what I expected it to be. I mean, there were some surprises in this movie for me. Like, I mean, again, I, we talked about this previously. I I'm not I can't say I'm surprised that Pattinson could pull pull off Batman because we know almost anybody can pull off Batman. You just got to give into the suit. It's a variation on that Nicholson advice to Keaton: just let the suit do all the work, kid. If you give yourself into the suit and you move well enough, anybody can look like Batman. It's Bruce Wayne that's hard. So maybe if they knew they were, if they just whatever by choice of by plot or whatever. Or I mean, Jim summed it up nicely about how maybe based on the, where they're going in this movie that there there wasn't a need for Bruce Wayne because there isn't really a separate Bruce Wayne at this point, or he doesn't see there's a need for any Bruce Wayne. That maybe because of that, you push that harder part to play the duality out and then you have Bruce, you have Batman. Batman is not that hard to play. So that didn't surprise me. Colin, all the acting was good in this movie. That, that didn't, that didn't surprise me at all. It was, I still think it was too long. It didn't need to be as long as it was. It wasn't boring, but it did, especially once you got, once you got to that, the apprehension of the Riddler and you, and then you realize that, Oh, they're giving you another subplot here or, or there's another thing that has another domino that hasn't fallen over yet. And then you realize, oh, this is going to take us another 20, 25 minutes at least. And it does. I think that kind of impacted the way I viewed the ending, too, because at that point it did seem overly long. And I don't think that was the best possible 
way to wrap this up, even though, again, the epilogue stuff is cool with Batman not only being seen kind of during the day, but realizing, yeah, he needs to be the hope. Kind of like a, a variation on the Superman idea, standing for hope, not just fear. But it, I thought this it was what I expected it to be. I didn't think it was going to be the best Bat, Batman ever. I like Batman Begins. I know most people like The Dark Knight more than Batman Be- Begins, even though I know somebody said it nicely that B- Dark Knight might be a better movie, but in a way, Batman Begins is arguably a better Batman movie. Hmm. I like Batman Begins because we do get Bruce Wayne in that. You get to see what how you go from a step A to B, even knowing the background of what happened to him as a kid. That still doesn't explain how he gets to the point of where he's able to do what he does, let alone his desire and how all the pieces fall into place. And I thought the first hour of Batman begins, even though you don't, there's not even Batman in it yet, but it's so good. It, to me, it just works. Just like the first hour of Endgame is so good and there's barely, and, and, you, and you don't even have the whole team together yet in the first hour of Endgame. So there you have it. Unanimous, 10 out of 10. <laughs> Minus 1.5. I don't know. I, 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 I might I might increase it to a nine just to, I mean, judge it on its own merits, not what I want it to be. But like at the end of the day, I kind of there there's some part of me that, you know, just to, to reference the Batman animated series that kind of wants a live action on leather wings episode. You know what I mean? Uh, we should talk a bit about Penguin then, huh? Or should we talk about Catwoman first? What do we want to do? I don't know. We'll just talk about Cat. Let's talk about Catwoman first. I thought so. I thought Zoe Kravitz was really good in this, in the pre-true Catwoman version of that we're getting. This version of Selena Kyle, who isn't quite where she's going to end up. Uh, she was likable. She was. Uh, they gave her. I like the fact that once again it's Catwoman, so you're always going to have the duality that whether even if you like her, and even if though she has may have some heroic tendencies that there's that dark side to her kind of like, you know, the black cat, you know, the ripoff in Spider-Man, it's something similar, but you, so you, they do walk that line here too. There's a lot of good qualities that she has, but she, you know, she's not, she, she and Batman are never going to be the same because they have their, their little, their moral compass still goes slightly in different directions, but I thought she did a, I I certainly liked her better than Anne Hathaway, but I'm not a big Anne Hathaway fan. And I thought she was the Anne Hathaway version. You know, she she pulled it off, but she will. I don't think she was particularly likable. So that's that's why, you know, she was it was kind of harder to like her other, other than, oh, it's Anne Hathaway. Maybe we should like her. But I thought Zoe Kravitz's version was likable, at least. And again, they're not at the same points or parts of their career. But I I like Zoe Kravitz in this. Yeah. I've never been that enamored with her in the past. And I've seen a few things with her. The uh, the high fidelity show that she was on was she was very good in that. But in this movie, she she did very good. She was very likable. I think that the way that they're setting up her Catwoman, it's way more of an anti anti-hero than like any sort of like villainy. Like I don't think that she's gonna be like breaking into museums and stealing like diamonds to have in her own collection but they'll make it like oh well she's stealing this statue from you know this billionaire who you know took it from an indigenous you know people or something to that effect i think that she's going to be stealing but there's going to be some kind of like higher moral reason why she's doing it so I'm okay with that. I think that's cool. 
The only thing that I will say, there was like, there was one part in the entire movie where, and it was one of her lines, and I don't know if it was the writing, I don't know if it was her delivery, or some combination of the both, but there was a scene where they were up on the tower near the bat signal, and she said something to the effect of like, you know, like, like, oh, we just got to get out of here, or I just can't stand this, or something like that, and whatever whatever it was that she said it was it, it didn't seem didn't seem like something a normal person would say like for whatever what reason it was which i mean like for a movie that's three hours for there to be like one part where i'm like oh yeah i guess that took me out a little bit and then you know batman says something and i'm drawn right back in it's kind of like okay well hopefully next time they don't have that but it's it's pretty good if that's the only thing that pulls me out. Yeah, I think uh, I I really enjoyed it. I, look, I knew that there was gonna if this was gonna be a bat a Catwoman sorry heavy uh, film, and I was not looking forward to it. It's interesting that I didn't mind it as much as I did at the end of it, and I think I think that's I think that sure that has something to do with the writing, but I think that also has to do with with the actress. Um, cause I, I, I didn't mind it as much as I did. Although realistically speaking, if I were to think about it for more than two seconds, I might be bothered by just, it's always so weird to me how, it, how quickly the, the two become attracted to each other and, and, you know, just immediately sort of, uh, trust each other in sort of a way. I mean, not to say that people can't meet and there just be immediate chemistry and stuff. Cause it, you know, it happens, but like, especially somebody two people who are so secretive about and protective of so many aspects of their lives to just sort of glom onto each other that quickly within meeting within the, the moments of meeting each other. It's always bugged me in sort of a way, but again, at the end of it, I didn't necessarily mind it as much as I thought I would going into it. So all credit to Zoe uh, in that sense, because I thought, I thought it was really well done. And um you know, I, 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 you know, forgetting just the sexiness or capability of of Catwoman. You know, just, I really bought her emotion too uh, when she, you know, her her friend was killed, and then her her rage and going up against Falcone and her when she was explaining the story of uh, of her mother, and when she told her that Falcone was her father. Um, I, I I bought the ate that all that up with a spoon. So I thought that was really well done. We talk about the penguin now. Go for it. Were you what what were your, what were your thoughts on this take in version? Not just the makeup, obviously, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I I mean the makeup was like profoundly amazing because I never would have guessed that that was Colin Farrell underneath. I like Colin Farrell as an actor. I thought the penguin was good, but they they definitely did not do a lot with him. So, you know, like he was there, he had a decent role in it, but it, there wasn't there wasn't very much to it. And I know that that's because like they plan on doing more with the penguin later on. Clearly they're setting the penguin up to take over like organized crime in Gotham City. Uh, I think they're talking about like um, like an HBO Max series with uh, the Penguin or something to that effect. So yeah, okay, I'm sure that he'll be better 
in the future. I did like in the very end where he had like the purple suit on, like, you know, that was a nice nod. But but overall, I mean, like, I guess I would have liked more from him, but I can understand why we didn't get that. You know, like the 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 Riddler was the the real focus of the movie, so I guess it also doesn't fall into like the t- typical trap where it's like, oh, there's too many you know costume villains or whatever, because he's just kind of like plays a part, but he's not like a um, he's not the heavy hitter in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like having a henchman in the movie who just so happens to have the name Oswald. You know what I mean? Like he, there's really nothing particularly penguiny about him uh not a whole lot of focus on it but it's it's almost done in that sort of uh that sort of subtle easter egg as opposed to just doing anything outright it's completely okay to just have the nod yeah i, I mean i think i i enjoyed the performance i sometimes as we know when you have that when you are so unrecognizable sometimes it's just liberating so i'm sure colin colin farrell had a good job I had a fun job playing that role other than probably the physical problems of being in all that makeup. That's probably never a fun thing, but it is liberating because you're so far removed from who you are physically that you, you can, it's real easy to lose yourself in the character. And yes, like everybody else in this movie, for the most part, it's setting the stage of what they're going to be. You know, what, what is Gore, what is commissioner Gordon, Gordon going to be though? We know based on just comics where you know, that's where he's going to end up. But He's not there yet. So there's an opening. There is an opening that. So you have, you have Gordon's not where he's supposed to be. Batman's not where he's going to be. Penguin's not where he's going to be. Catwoman's early on. So it, it and even the whole Alfred Batman relationship is not really where we it should be based on history. So that's there's a lot of beginnings in this movie, even though it's year two, it's it's still setting the stage for what's going to happen. And I think the Penguin's. Penguin is a good example, someone who's going to be not just probably primarily, at least for a while, as you know, in the HBO Max TV show, but he's going to be a heavy hitter and he's going to be he's going to develop more into the character that we would expect him to be in this universe. So maybe we should maybe it would have been cool to get a little bit more of him, especially it was from a structural pacing perspective, it was odd when the Riddler is so prominent in this movie throughout most of it, but yet he disappears for like right in the middle of the movie, maybe in the middle to the end of the movie, there's a part maybe between the, the end of the second act, beginning of the third act where the Riddler kind of like completely disappears. And that's where you're focusing a lot on the whole Falcone and, and Penguin stuff and Batman and Catwoman and everything else. But, so maybe it would have been nice to get a little bit more of him, but I think they did a good job to focusing in on the the villain that they wanted to focus in on. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I did want to add was that we never mentioned Jeffrey Wright, you know, too much uh, as Jim Gordon. And in my perspective, like it's not a slight against him because he did such a phenomenal job. He seemed like he was almost, part of the institution like he was so like ingrained in the movie that i don't even think of him as a separate character from like i don't know it's very difficult to describe i don't know like i can describe i can i can talk about pattinson i can talk about you know zoe kravitz i can talk about the penguin jeffrey wright was just like it was just perfect yeah, he was so, yeah, he was so totally his character. We don't need to 
it's almost a foregone conclusion that it was great and we have yes. nothing bad to say. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because Jeffrey Wright's good in everything. So yes. if, there, if there was if there was one actor probably coming into this movie that you thought you would have you had no concerns about being able to nail the role that they were given, yeah. it was it's it was probably Jeffrey Wright being cast as Gordon, and they do a good job at establishing Gordon's early on, you know, he's already he has a relationship with Batman, but it's not it's still tenuous. I mean, Batman from from Commissioner Gordon, well, Gordon's perspective, he does. He trusts Batman. He, his instincts are good. Uh, he feels that, that Batman is a is a, you know, a force for good. But yet, you know, he, he's, he can't be 100 percent sold. And yet he's still obviously being frowned upon by the rest of the police because of the fact that. He's, you know, he's working with this guy. It's built instead of arresting him, he's working with him. And, you know, part of that is obviously because of the corruption on the force. But even people who aren't corrupt, understandably, are not entirely thrilled with having having this guy, this vigilante, this vengeance guy walking around all the time and getting or at least in this when you get to the stages of this movie where he's being an active you know, participant in investigating the crime scene. So I thought I but I thought that was. They delved into the relationship between Gordon and Batman well, just like they did in the uh, Nolan trilogy early on with 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 Bale's Bruce Wayne, Batman and, and Gordon. Yeah, I agree. I wanted to say briefly speaking to the Joker that that uh, Jim mentioned a minute ago. I do think it was interesting that we didn't learn or hear even like, you know, almost like a allusion, allusion to anything having to do with the Joker. Uh, I guess it's possible that the Joker and then like his little followers and stuff exist in Gotham, but Batman hasn't yet faced him. But with Joker in Arkham and there being sort of Joker acolytes out there in terms of the face paint and everything that we saw at the beginning of the film, I have a hard time believing that Batman has yet to face the Joker for the first time. So it was odd to me that we didn't even get I wasn't expecting like a full on monologue about what happened in the past or whatever, but it was interesting to me that we didn't even get an, uh, an allusion to having gone up against him before. One, uh, one little Easter egg that I did like about the uh, whole Arkham thing was how the, the outfits that they had to wear were like white and red checker patterns to like set up Harley Quinn later on. Yeah. I do think, was it a comic or was it a movie or maybe an animated feature? This is not the first time we've played with the idea that that Martha not only is an Arkham, uh, like a family member of the Arkhams, but like has mental had mental illness issues of her own. Where have we worked, played with that idea before? I feel like that was a big thing in like a big aspect of some it was like it could have been a TV series. I feel like we've we've toyed with this in a in a big way before. I'm not familiar with that. I mean, I'm sure that it it, it has popped up. I'm not the world's you know yeah. most, foremost uh, Batman ologist or whatever, but yeah, like I, it sounds super plausible. You know, why wouldn't they be the two you know legacy families or whatever in in Gotham? But yeah, I, I'm not familiar with it personally. Was it the Court of Owls? I don't know. Could have been. It's been a while that. since I've read that. Okay, whatever. Don't need to go on that tangent. A lot of people were talking about that online. I was like, this is not the first time we've toyed with a Martha Arkham idea in her having some mental illnesses of her own. Makes sense he, for Batman. Yeah. 
do we do we think that this is going to go? You know, it's almost a foregone conclusion. Maybe depending on what WB wants to do, that we get a Batman two. Do we think we get a time skip, or do we think we just sort of follow the threads? I mean, That's I guess a we, good we we question. I guess we'd have to get a time skip in a way because you don't want to open the film. I guess with him stealing deal, still dealing with the flood. I would assume there's at least a minor time skip, but like, would we expect a major time skip? That's no. a tough, that's a tough one because it could go either way. You'd li- on some levels you'd like to see him at least a several year time skip just so you get to see where the ever the, the change in Batman and Bruce Wayne and how he's approaching things different. Uh, but they, but yeah, it could be. But by the way, I think it might be Batman Earth. Uh, is it Earth One? Was it Earth One? The Jeff Johns one. I think that might have been where some of this, some of the background with the Arkham stuff with Mar- with Martha. It's been a while since I've read yeah. that. Yeah, uh, just based on what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, they could, but they could, they could go either way with the time jump or not. I don't think that I want to see more of a jump than like two years, because like this early part of Batman's career is something that's so fertile that we haven't gotten before that to jump ahead, you know, too far. It's like, okay, well then it's just the regular Batman movies all over again. While I don't want it to be like five minutes after the end of this one. And now he's got to go deal with something else. Like it has to be enough time for him to obviously upgrade the suit at least a little bit because you got to sell action figures. He's got to be able to upgrade the car because you got to sell accessories too. But like, you know, like that kind of thing, um, there was the explosion at Wayne Tower. So they're going to have to you know, fiddle with that. There's got to be a, at least a decent amount of time skip forward so that we can see some kind of progress. But I don't want them to go too far ahead. I would agree with that. Probably two, two years would probably be a good jump. Yeah, and it'd probably be a, what, a Penguin Joker flick, something like that. Maybe. Depends how it depends what I guess where we leave off in the TV show with the Penguin. Oh yeah, so that's 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 for sure greenlit. Yeah, I think that one is greenlit. Interesting. You know, I, I, Lauren, I Lauren just, agrees. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I, I can conceive of a future in this movie timeline where, like, the Riddler is somehow um, vindicated because all of his crimes were taking out like corrupt evil people, and. Like, then you put him, like, where he's, like, an upstanding citizen or something like that, going around, like, wearing, like, the the green suit. Like, he doesn't have to have question marks on it. But, you know, like, they could go that route. Because in the comics, like, this, you know, there have been a few times where the Riddler goes good for a little while before going evil again. So that would be, that would be interesting to see. It would be especially interesting to see for, like, this, like you know, this crazy guy that's like murdered people and Batman just like seeing him and knowing he's like, this is an evil person. And yet here he is walking, you know, around in freedom or whatever like that. Something like that would be cool to, to say. Yeah, man. All right. Do we have anything else? I think, I think we've covered it all. Well, we covered a lot. I'm sure there's something there's, I'm sure there's something of, of relevance that we left out, but it was, Again, I don't. I don't think it's the best. I don't think it's the best Batman movie. I don't think he's the best Batman, um, especially if you're ranking Batman, Batman and Bruce Wayne. If you're going to give them one grade to play both, and he's still, his Bruce Wayne still needs a lot of work, and he does, and he does need to bulk up a lot 
real, realistically, which again, depending on the rumors you hear, you heard, that was part of the issues they had on set that he didn't really put the time into work out. And when you're in the suit, you can get away with it. But when you're and when you're not in the suit, it's kind of hard to hide. But he he did a good job. He, his Batman was his Batman was good. It certainly I liked his Batman better than Clooney's, better than probably Val Kilmer's Batman. Um, but I don't know how many other people's Batman I would rank him ahead of. And he's got he's got he's got potential, but he certainly it's certainly he proved he could do he could play Batman. Now I would like to see them do a little work on on his Bruce Wayne, and that would be that's that's the real test because Bruce Wayne really is a much more challenging role. Batman's easy when you're putting on when you're putting on the suit. Yeah, I definitely I I, I don't I can't I don't think I can rank it right now. I, I definitely need to see it again. I think that it's probably my favorite movie about Batman. I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say that he's like my favorite Batman because I mean, this isn't like Batman in his prime, you know, like I personally love Val Kilmer as Batman. And I think he did a great Bruce Wayne too. Yes, I love he, that movie. he was really good as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I love Christian Bale as Batman. Christian Bale was a good Batman. His Bruce Wayne was okay. I, I wasn't, I didn't love it, but there were aspects of it that I did really like. This movie, for what it is, it's not trying to be, I don't think it's trying to be the best Batman. Like, I don't think that, you know, he is the best Batman right now because he's not. He clearly isn't. He's working towards that. But as far as a movie goes, I was thoroughly entertained. I thought it was beautiful. I, you know, I, I, I think regardless of it being a Batman movie, I think that it was an excellent movie in general. I would agree with that. Agreed. I, I, I at the end of the day, it's it's only a plus that I didn't expect a lot of it and wound up liking it a whole lot more than I thought I would. And that's really all a studio can want out of something like this. Yeah, man. All right. Probably wrap up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jim, before we go into closing, do you have anything out there? Any projects that you're working on you want to promote? Yeah, actually, I want to promote my YouTube channel. It's called Mosaic Comics. <laughs> I knew you were going to do something like that. <laughs> Every week I uh, I post a video. I use a voice modulator, so it doesn't sound like me. But uh, it's all about Green Lantern. Put it together. Uh, I have a pseudonym that I, I post under. But yeah, it's it's all me. <laughs> go check out Mosaic Comics on YouTube. I knew it. <laughs> well, Margaret, people want to reach out to us and give us their thoughts on the Batman if they've seen it. Uh, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast, people to track us down. On, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or a voicemail, 708-LANTERN, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Jim, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. The the one thing that I will add, just because I'm thinking about it right now, the greatest thing in the world is when you guys got feedback from somebody in the 708 area code. (laughs) That was great. I love that. (laughs) It's the little things. Yes, yes. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. (laughs) So long.